Joan left me his mask here. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It is good to see all of you. Just excited to be able to dig into the Word. Do you know that we actually here, so today, March 7th, 2021, the last time we had a quote-unquote normal worship service here, I don't know if any of our worship services are normal, but the last time we had one here in this room was March 8th. 2020. So we are 365 days later. We are here one year back to the most like normal we can be. And it's exciting to have <laughs> this happening. You think about, like, think about that week uh, between March 8th to March 15th last year. I don't know if you remember, like as a pastor, I kind of think in, you know, Sunday to Sunday, obviously, right? And uh, like often I'll have like all the Sundays memorized for the next year, like what the dates are and stuff like that, because we're thinking about all of those. But I think about from that Sunday to Sunday, March 8th to 15th, and just how, you know, I, we knew this thing was happening, but it kind of felt like we knew something with the coronavirus, but sort of seemed like things were building, but didn't really know what was going to be happening. And then I remember uh, on that Wednesday night, the 11th, being out to dinner, my wife and I went to Ramen, this place in Costa Mesa, and we were um, like waiting for a table and there, because, you know, the place was full. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but then we would see on the TVs while we were waiting, they had ESPN like places do, and we're waiting and we just see like, NBA season, you know, postponed or canceled. Rudy Gobert decided to touch all the microphones and, you know, what, all this stuff was happening. I don't even remember some of that. And then just thinking like, what? The NBA is canceled? Disneyland is closing? Like, okay, the things that where greed usually rules the world, things are changing. And so I kind of, that was what I remember for me, like, okay, this is, this is something more than I realized. And then that next day, March 12th, is when I think guidelines started coming and kind of lockdown orders and things like that. And uh, we made that change on that Thursday, uh, which, you know, in the life of the church, like Thursday is pretty close to Sunday. And uh, we made that decision to go to online only that week, thinking we were going to, you know, hey, we'll do this for a couple weeks, we'll flatten the curve, and then we'll be back in action. And it's just... You know, thinking of the sort of naivete of all of us back then, but uh, having you think through, like, if you could talk to yourself on March 8th and tell yourself to appreciate something that was normal or seemingly mundane that you, you know, that you didn't realize that you would be missing so badly. I don't know. Tell like a, tell a friend next to you, what would you have told yourself to appreciate or do that week before everything shut down? Go ahead. Talk amongst yourselves for a second if you got, if you got it. Uh, or, or just think it through. <laughs> I don't know if I'm hearing the word movie theater. <laughs> For me, it was a movie theater, yeah. Like, or a sports game, to go to a game, to go to a concert. If I could see you two just one more time, Lord. <laughs> uh. A big hug to somebody you only kind of know that well. <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back together. But I think those sorts of things, right? Eating hot food indoors at a restaurant, Disneyland, a movie, seeing a movie, all that stuff we like miss so much. And who would have thought that church, even meeting here like this, would be on that list? Now, we are here in this series called Living Out your faith. We've been in a series in the book of Hebrews 
several different series through it since just after Easter last year. So like almost this whole year. I mean, we had another series called More Than an Audience that was for a couple months all about life, living out the purposes of the church and the Christmas series too. So, but about eight months or so of being in the book of Hebrews. And today is the last one. The last time we'll finish out the book of Hebrews. And I think it's been an incredible book for us. And the passage that we'll look at today is actually kind of the benediction sort of the closing prayer of this message, of this sermon. Now, the book of Hebrews is probably read aloud to a group of people, and they would experience it in that sort of a way. It takes about 45 minutes to read it out loud, maybe 50 if you've got some dramatic pausing here and there. I don't you know. So that, uh, it takes about that long. It's about the length of Matt Doan's last sermon, which is, you know, a little longer than others, but it's, uh, it's still good. It's still really good. Uh, I warned him that I was going to say that. But, uh, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it is. It's like a longer end of a sermon. But think about it, just the whole book of Hebrews is this incredible sermon, this message to all of us. And for us to take it in, and then what we have today is that closing prayer. So let's look at it as we get into how it is all through resurrection power. Hebrews 13, 20 to 25. It says, now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. So may he equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he has some kind of closing little notes to his friends. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Take notice that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. Greet all of your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. And so that's the close of this incredible Sermon, And so we're going to just kind of dig into what is it, like what is in this prayer for us? What is in this closing for us? Because it's reminding us of what the entire book, the entire message is about. Where this whole thing is about reminding these people, these Jewish believers or people who are sort of even seeking and considering following Jesus... He's telling them, look, I know you're suffering. I know you're persecuted. I know you're mocked. But I want you to remember that Jesus is greater than anything else. Jesus is better than all of it. He is supreme. And so he's telling them here, all of this is going to be through the resurrection power of Jesus. Even Hebrews 13 and 20, that first part. May the God of peace who brought up from the dead... God brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant. That is Jesus our Lord. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And that resurrection power is what makes him greater than anything else. Okay? And so we got to remember that all this other stuff that you might be thinking about following for them back then, of going back to the old ways, if it's for us, all of the things that we are tempted by in this world— all of the ways that could make our life, like all the things that could make our life easier. When it comes to following Jesus, when we think about how that can make our life harder and how we stand out in a society that no longer holds up being a follower of Jesus as a good thing, 
And you might find that hard now. He's reminding you that Jesus' resurrection power makes him greater than anything else. And it's worth it. It's worth it. And so even saying, like, may the God of peace. And for these people in the the Jewish faith and have this Jewish background, when they hear that word peace, that is that that word shalom. That is that, that wholeness, that contentment. Because God is present and providing everything you need, not your wants, but your needs in him. That we have this ultimate peace because of who God is and his presence with us. And then it closes, so it starts with me, the God of peace, and it kind of ends with this thing of it's Jesus our Lord. That Jesus is our master and Lord, and he is who it is all about, and he is the one that's powerful. Powerful enough to be raised from the dead. Powerful enough to be present in your persecution, suffering, problems, all the stuff you're going through. The ways that following Jesus is difficult. He is present with you, so rely on him. Reminding us that Jesus not only has resurrection power, Jesus has creation power. Jesus created the entire world, the entire universe. Jesus has the power to heal and perform incredible miracles over the forces of nature. Jesus has miraculous power, and Jesus has resurrection power. So Jesus has the power to be present in the stuff going on in your life and recognize that it is all of that, who he is, as that powerful, strong, mighty, that is who is with you each day as you live this life for him. And so then he's going to go into the rest of this to talk about how he'll equip us and help us to be able to do that which is pleasing in his sight. But it all comes from resurrection power. Without it, it's meaningless. It's worthless. Our faith is in vain. If Jesus just lived and died, this is pointless. But he rose from the dead in victory and power over sin, over death, and over every circumstance in our life. And so Jesus' power then equips us. He says that next part. He will equip you in every good thing to do his will. So it's out of that resurrection power that we are equipped to do the will of God. All right, so equipping. Let's talk about equipping. Equipping means to make you complete. Equipping means he will make you complete. That that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In you. He will make you complete. He will give you what you need. Being equipped, think about it like REI, right? It's the place where you go to be equipped. That's what it's called. And so you think that you go there and you, you're going to go on a backpacking trip, and so you've got to get equipped. You've got to get all the stuff you need, the shoes, the clothes, the, the tent, the stove, the, little, the special stuff for all of that. And you have it and you take it with you because now you've been equipped. Maybe you even get some training and equipping in that way of how to go out and live in the wilderness with just one backpack worth of stuff. The Bible uses analogies about athletes, runners, that we need to be equipped as an, like an athlete would be, who has trained, who's been coached, who's been instructed in that way, but is also wearing the right stuff. A football player is wearing the cleats and the helmet and the pads and has the right, is on the right field and knows the plays and is being sent on that mission, all of that, right? So we're being equipped. We're, the Bible talks about being equipped like soldiers who have what they need to go into battle, who are sent on a mission but have what they need to go out into that battle, that we think of ourselves 
ourselves in that sort of way as, as well. And so we are also equipped as a Christian is how we are equipped. And the Bible speaks to that a lot. The Bible speaks of that in the book of Ephesians when it talks about putting on the armor of God, it says. That we are to put that on, that we are e getting equipped by God's armor as we go out in truth and in righteousness and in all of that. Then even in Colossians it says, clothe yourselves with humility and compassion and kindness and patience and love. And so we go out with that kind of clothing on, that kind of armor on. Then we are we receive instruction in moments like this, and we're being sent out on mission. So God's saying, the resurrection power will equip you to do his will. And so we are being equipped, but it's all through that resurrection power. In a year where we've worn sweats every day, maybe we've forgotten what it looks like to be equipped. That we need to have all of the gear that we need to go out and not just stay in our house, right? Go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God after we've put on the armor of God and clothed ourselves with those aspects of who God wants us to be in him. But it's through Jesus. It's through the resurrection power that we go out, that the Holy Spirit then even gives us power, gives us knowledge that we never had, trains us. And so when we go out to do then the things that God has called us to do, to share our faith with people, we've been equipped through the resurrection power to do that. When, we, when someone says, hey, will you help me to learn what does this mean, what does this look like to follow Jesus? to disciple someone, to mentor them, for them to be like apprenticed by you in the faith. And you think, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I have what it takes to do that. Like I feel kind of nervous about trying to help someone else learn what this is like. I don't know if I have what it takes. You have what it takes. The resurrection power of Jesus has equipped you to do the will of God. And that is the will of God that we would make disciples. That we would see people come to behold the Son, Jesus, and follow him and learn to grow in him. That is the will of God. That's the will of the Father. And so God will give you what you need to do his will. If you want to do his will, I want to encourage you first to pray his prayer, okay? To pray his prayer about that. The prayer that when Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To pray that. That prayer, I pray that prayer every single day before my feet hit the floor. Before my feet hit the floor out of my bed, I pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, I pray the Lord's Prayer and read one psalm before I get out of bed. Just like start my day with that. Lord, I want to live your will today. And I want to trust in you to provide today. And so seek God. Pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And my hunch is honestly that most people... Most people know what God wants them to do. This isn't some big mystery, okay? When it comes to like, Lord, what would you want me to do? We have all these things where we're like, oh God, what is your will for my life? And God's like, I told you in this 
book right here, okay? I've got it for you. What is my will for you? My will for you is that, I, you know, it's, it could be a host of things even, but when you think about some stuff, it could even be stuff outside of sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with people, or helping people follow Jesus, take one step closer to Jesus, making disciples, I think is that core part of his will. But we know that we should stop a habit. We know that we should ask forgiveness and apologize to someone that we've wronged. We know that we should maybe start some new spiritual practices to help us. We know that it's good for us to be in prayer, and we know it's good for us to rest on the Sabbath and spend time with the Lord. We know this stuff. It's not that you don't know his will. The question is, are you willing to do his will? Are you willing? God isn't like looking for you to be perfect. God isn't looking for you to have it all together. God isn't looking for you to have all the answers or be some incredible like person in some way that the world thinks is incredible. God is looking for you to be willing and then he, through his resurrection power, will equip you to do his will. That's it. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be able to do it. So step into it. Jesus said, I... Do you want to be healed? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to be healed. He has this way of asking. He has this way of including us in this stuff. We aren't just like sort of these inactive sort of blobs that sit around waiting. We have a part in this, but he's including us, but he wants us to be willing. So Jesus is asking, will you be willing to allow him to equip you, transform you, and then to do his will. And that's why I've been talking about this whole thing of to return. I know God put this on my heart just this, you know, a month ago or so, like spending some extended time in silence and solitude with him of returning. Kind of like a revelation um, to uh, where it speaks of return to your first love and do the deeds you did at first. Where, you know, those simple core things of what it means to follow Jesus. These very basic elements of what it is to be a follower of the Lord. Of spending time with him and prayer and scripture and sharing the gospel with others. And helping people, just helping someone else learn what it looks like. Like it's this basic stuff. We just need to return to these essentials. We might want some sort of crazy revival, and we do, and the Lord does that. But let's return to those basic things of what it means to follow Jesus and then watch him as then his power will work in us because it's all about and only about the resurrection. Without it, nothing else matters. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So Jesus' resurrection power will equip us to do his will. And then the next part of the passage says, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. So all that where Jesus, where God is working in us for us to be able to be pleasing in his sight. So again, it's the resurrection power of Jesus that works in us for us to be pleasing to him. We want to please God, right? We want to be more like Christ. It is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that is working in you to be forming you to be more like Jesus. That's what spiritual formation, if you ever hear that that term, spiritual formation. That is where God's Spirit is forming you to be more like Christ. So he's doing this work in you to be pleasing in his sight to be pleasing to him. I think, 
you know, we want to please God. We want to be pleasing in his sight. And we might think like, ah, Lord, I, I, I feel like I'm not pleasing to you. Or I feel like I'm this, I'm this sinner. And a lot of us have this sort of like very high view of God's wrath, which is real. But at the same time, I think we just think so, like so down on ourselves and think about our sin all the time. And it's important for us to repent of our sin and turn from it. But what I want you to get about that is I think what's more important for us to do is to, as it says in Hebrews, fix your eyes on Jesus. To be fixed on him and running towards him. Running towards Jesus as much as possible. We can look back and look back to our sin and be focused on that. But it's kind of like running in a race. You know, if I ever am in a race where I'm running, it's that classic thing of just keep your eyes ahead, keep your eyes fixed on that finish line. I'm not just dwelling on either my suffering (laughs) or dwelling on what's gaining on me, like this stuff, like if it's someone else or my own goals or whatever are gaining on me. So I'm not looking back to my sin or looking back to that which I'm trying to avoid. Don't fix your eyes on your sin. Fix your eyes on Jesus and run towards him. And as you do that, I think then the Holy Spirit is transforming you to be what is pleasing in his sight. And again, it's, <laughs> it's not rocket science. We know. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know what we're called to do. So ask God for his resurrection power to work in you that which is pleasing to him and in his sight. And Part of this process is, is pruning, as Jesus talks about in John 15 that, that Josh just referenced even earlier, that, that whole sense of Jesus being the vine, that we are the branches. And sometimes, though, there's some pruning process that comes as branches, and that can be painful. That can be difficult. That can be hard. That can make us, you know, it doesn't feel good in the midst of that moment of pruning, but we know that that's ultimately for our good. And so he's reminding, I think, even some of that pruning stuff is is a reminder to us, like the people that were listening to this message back in the first century, that this is going to be hard. Following Jesus is going to make you stand out and look different than the rest of the world. Following Jesus is going to include suffering. Following Jesus might include some persecution, some pain. You might be mocked and all of that. They were back then, a couple thousand years ago. We still will be today. And he's reminding us that that is worth it. Jesus is worth it. That all of those things that you're going through are going to help you grow and are going to help you become stronger. And I want to say, like, I think that there's some people in our church in a couple different um, sorts of areas with this. There's some of you that need to be kinder to yourself. Some of you are people that just beat yourself up over this stuff constantly. And that God would never see you as negatively as you see yourself. And so some of us, like, just need to be a little kinder to ourselves. Like, I know for me, some of that came, like, I was pretty legalistic about the way that I would need to spend time with Jesus. Um, Specifically when I was more of a, like, maybe college into my 20s, where I was just so legalistic about how I would spend time with God. So I would do like a one-year Bible, and I would have to finish the whole portion of that one-year Bible every day, and I had to spend a certain amount of time in prayer 
or I felt like I was like, I just had this guilt over it if I didn't complete the things that I had set for myself to do. I don't know if some of you are wired like that. Some of you are probably like, I don't do anything, whatever, you know. I was like, <laughs> you know, like, but like, I, that's how I was wired, and I'm wired to, to do what I'm supposed to do, you know, do as I'm told, and <laughs> all that sorts of stuff. And I remember just beating myself up over some of that and having then a, a mentor of mine say, Eric, here's what I want you to do. I want you to not read your Bible or pray in this sort of way for a month. <laughs> and I'm like, sinner, how dare you? What do you, you know, like, how could you tell me to not read my Bible and not pray? But I think because he was just trying to get me, he said, what I want you to do is just, uh, and I'll kind of learn since then, this is even from practice, the, the practice of the presence of God by Brother Lawrence, is this thing of just notice God throughout your day. Just kind of recognize God's presence throughout your day. Instead of saying, I'm going to spend this like 30 minutes every morning at this time and do this regimented thing, I want you just to like recognize the presence of God like in your life and around you throughout your day. And it just kind of helped me to, like I was just beating myself up over all the wrong things. And I was spending time with God for sort of weird reasons of like, I don't know, star charts and accomplishing stuff and all of that, right? And so I needed to be kinder to myself. So maybe some of you need to be kinder to yourself. And then there's some of you that have maybe been a little too kind to yourself, okay? Some of you just think, you know, I feel like I see these sorts of posts even on social media like, hey, it's all, it's all fine. I know you didn't do anything worthwhile for the last month. Just love yourself. You know, like those sorts of things. And you're just like, you know what? Maybe you need to have a little higher standard for what you should be doing with your life and what God has called you to do. It's okay to do hard things and have hard goals and to pursue hard things. And so some of us need to be kinder to ourselves. Some of us need that kind of David Goggins kick in the butt to get out there and go do something hard. And so I encourage you to do something hard then. And we have to recognize, though, that God will be with you. The resurrection power of Jesus works in us to be pleasing to him, the Holy Spirit of God. But we have this partnership thing that, that God, the way God works in sort of everything is like this. And it's very mysterious and hard for us to understand. Because we think, okay, well, the Holy Spirit does the work. Well, does that mean I just lay down on my couch and like, Holy Spirit, you got it, you know? And I just sort of relax. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like sometimes I would, I would get confused about that sort of a thing. But the way God works, it's kind of even like the way we, like the way we've got the Bible, right? We know that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit worked in these human authors to then write these words down. Because we look at these books and we know that God gave them these words to say, but also the words that they wrote are very personal. Even this part we just read, he was like, you know, hey, the people in Italy greet you guys, Hebrews, you know, whatever. Like, hey, we, you know, we're, we're like, want to send some messages. Guess what? Timothy's on his way. And, you know, we'll see even the next series we're going to do after Easter, 2 Timothy, which is a very personal letter where he names names and talks about people that are like kind of for him and against him. It's very personal. And so God is using this Holy Spirit inspiration with like human work at the same time. And that's how this stuff works, is that God, the Holy Spirit, says he, he comes alongside us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit is a helper to us that we then, you know, have to then still do stuff, right? So that's where I want you to understand, like it, within all of this, that the power of God is working in us and then working through us 
as well. So we have a role like in partnership with God, and it's all through Jesus Christ. It says at the end of that verse, through Jesus Christ. So we're constantly remembering who is the one that is working in us, the resurrection power of Jesus. Now, as we get to the end of the, the book, it has these sort of greetings and all that kind of stuff. And then, so he finishes the prayer, he even says, amen. And then it goes to this verse. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, listen patiently to this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. So just remember, a 45 to 50 minute message is considered brief. All right, so... We're only at about 28 right now, so you're doing fine. Uh, <laughs> but like, this is where he's like, I've just, he, the um, other version says, bear with this word of exhortation. Listen patiently. Like, I know I'm kind of talking for a long time, but you gotta pay attention. Pay attention to these words. This is important. Maybe you've drifted off, but I need you to pay attention to these words from God. These are important words for you. I want you to be able to know this message and not just know it, but do it. Act upon it. Act out these words that God has for you. And so he's reminding these people back then, a couple thousand years ago, he's reminding them again that Jesus is worth and he's greater than all of the suffering you're going through, all of the struggle you're going through. And, I mean, remember, guys, Hebrews, like the end of 11, people are getting sawed in two. So let's not get too caught up in our problems. <laughs> all right? Like, people were seriously being persecuted for their faith with this message coming to them. And he's saying, listen, even that, it's still worth it. Jesus is greater than all of that stuff. He's greater than the problems you're going through and the suffering and the mockery that you're going through. So let's remember this message. It should change your life. It shouldn't just pass you by. This should change how you live. And so I just want to do a very, very brief, just like little review of kind of the, some of the stuff that we've thought, thought through in this last year. I mean, even the, the series titles. The first one was just Jesus is Supreme. Reminding us that he's greater than everything else. The second one was about rest. Because this passage will talk about resting in God and a sense of our eternal rest that we will one day have. And so we also then dug into the Sabbath and what it means to rest in God. Because when we rest in him, we recognize that he is greater than even our own efforts and our own work. And we recognize it's not about us. It's about his power. And so rest is an act of trust. Uh, another series was called A Better Hope, as we started to get a little farther into the book of Hebrews, that Jesus is the thing that we hope in, in the midst of this crazy year that we've been in, in the midst of all the stuff that we're going through, Jesus is a better hope. And then the next one was Hold On to Jesus. There's verses that say, hold fast to him, hold on to him, stand firm in him. Because he's greater, we hold fast and hold tight to him, and then we're going to be okay if we do that, if we hold on to him. And then the, the last series we did before this one was, what is faith? So we got into Hebrews 11 of faith is this assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things that are unseen, that we can have faith in God even when we don't see him. And he gave us all these examples in Hebrews 11 of these great heroes in the Old Testament who had faith 
And so we're, we learn from those examples. We learn from the early church examples. And we know we can learn from the examples of those who are a little bit older than us, even in our own church community. And we learn from the faith of those who've gone before us. And then we fix our eyes on Jesus. And we then live out our faith, which is the series we're in now. And so how do we live this out? And we care for the least of these, keep the marriage bed holy. We imitate our leaders who teach the word of God to us. We consider the results of how they've lived their life and then imitate them. And then like, and then just everything that we're into now, recognizing that Jesus is supreme. Following Jesus is hard. Jesus is worth it. And he will empower and equip you to be able to live it out. That's the message of the book of Hebrews. And I pray that that message will stick with you. That it will stick with you that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth fixing our eyes on every day, every moment, in the good, in the bad. And so what we'll do now to respond is what we do once a month here all together is we will respond with communion. And this verse says in Hebrews 13, 20, it's all through the blood of the eternal covenant. Through the blood of the eternal covenant, which is what Jesus did upon the cross for us. So I'd like for you to, to get those elements out wherever you are. Just get some elements for communion if you're at home, whatever you need. If you're outside or in here, they're, they're in the back in the lobby, other areas if you haven't got that yet. We're going to sing a song here first before we take communion together. And as we just sing this song, Jesus Paid It All, I want you to reflect. Reflect on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Whenever we remember his death, we also remember his resurrection because he's not still dead, he's alive. And that's why our faith is real. So let's remember his death the way that he paid it all now as we sing this song. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we say thank you. That you as the God of peace raised up your son Jesus from the dead. And it is through that blood of that covenant, that promise that was made, this new covenant in the blood of Jesus, Lord, we, we thank you that that shed blood covers our sin. Thank you, Lord, that you were willing to pay that price. Thank you, Lord, that you love us that much. And thank you, Lord, that you are alive and that your resurrection power will equip us to do anything that you would call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's reflect as we sing.
So we look upon the, the bread, the cup that represents the body of Jesus given for us, the blood of Jesus shed for us. To take the bread, to hold it, just in that moment, just consider Jesus. Son of God, God, very God, creator of the universe and all things, came and lived this perfect life that none of us could live. He lived a perfect life, performing astounding miracles. That God in human form chose then willingly 
to say, here is my body. May it be beaten and bruised and crucified, given completely for you. For you. So remember this, he says. Give thanks for this. Don't take it for granted. And so today as we take communion together, we, we remember and we're thankful just as, as he commanded us to do. It says that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together. And then we take the cup, which represents his blood shed for us. And in the same way, it says he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is through the blood of his covenant in Hebrews 13. This cup is the new covenant, the new promise in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take together. So Lord, Lord Jesus, it's all through you. It's all through your life, death, burial, and resurrection, God. We thank you. We remember today. We remember that it's all about you, Lord. And Lord, we are grateful for your death, and we are grateful that you are alive. Lord, thank you that you have risen from the dead in power, God. And it is through that power that we can live each day for you. Thank you, Lord, for our forgiveness, for the gospel being for the, our forgiveness, and for the gospel being to help us live each day for you, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's stand as we sing one last song. It's all about that resurrection. Let's sing it out passionately to him today.